When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Welcome to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Hello everybody and welcome to the show. It's made possible by our friends at Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. Today we're joined by a man who rode to 1992 Melbourne Cup glory aboard Sub-Zero. Former jockey Greg Hall also saluted in a cox plate, two golden slippers, a pair of Victoria derbies while riding for the likes of Lloyd Williams, Sheikh Mohammed and Kerry Packer. And the man known as G is racing royalty. More than 800 wins, 42 group ones. But then he lost it all. Rock bottom was being estranged from his family, alcoholism, gambling addiction, rehab clinics, and attempted suicide. Greg's is a raw story, but one that's thankfully taken a turn for the better. Greg Hall, welcome, and thanks a lot for your time. Thank you, Sam. I appreciate it, and um, it's, it's great to be on board, mate. Um, just to get a few facts right, that um, I rode 49 Group 1 winners and 207 <laughs> group races, and... Uh, 2,500 winners, mate. So uh, Wikipedia is not that right. You know what? <laughs> Wikipedia has been reproduced multiple, multiple times, though, because I went far and wide and I saw 49, I saw 42, I saw 2,000 winners, I saw 849 winners. Safe to say it was a lot. It, it, it was, mate, but it, it didn't come without a price. Now, yes, I did win um, two VRC derbies and two AJC derbies, and I'm not one to talk about myself Sam but this is a serious segment that you have today and I um, also won two slippers and um, three blue diamonds and the list goes on and on and I've won every cup in Australia and someone said to me one day Greg you won the Sydney Adelaide Brisbane Perth Cup the only jockey ever to do it he said you never won a a Caulfield (laughs) Cup I said I was never interested in suburbs. The only one, that, the only one the cup's named after the cities. It's fair to say, not the burbs. So, yeah, well, I forgot to, I forgot to tell him I won five Mooney Valley Cups. So. <laughs> but anyway, that's another story. <laughs> in your in your sixty plus years, though, Greg. I mean, as I touched on off the top, you've seen the highs that very few of us will reach, but also the sort of lows that not many of us can understand either. So as we sit here in October of 2022, you know, on the eve of another Melbourne Cup carnival, how do we find you? I mean, what sort of place are you in at the moment? I'm in a, uh, I'm in a good place, mate. Um, oh, sorry, Sam, I shouldn't say, mate, um, but that's just going away. Um, I'm in a good place because um, I'm still here. And if I'm ever in doubt, um, you say, I heard you mention in the intro that about rock bottom, well, I can assure to all your listeners that um, 
rock bottom's only the start of um, dark time because rock bottom has a basement and it has a basement after that and another one after that. And um, do I have my days? Of course I do. Do I struggle? Of course I do. Um, I'm very open and honest and a lot of people say to me that, Greg, probably sometimes you speak the truth too much. But um, I'm in a good place, mate. I've got a nice, steady job at Lindsay Park. And um, do I struggle? Yeah, I do. It's a battle. You know, mental health issues with men is a very, very dangerous disease. And um, I've learned a lot about it. And uh, I've worked hard on it, as you know. But but I'm in a good place, mate. I'm very happy with the carnival coming up. And uh, I've got lots going on with Super 30th at Subby's 30th and um, I've got Derby Day and Cup Day and Oaks Day and people like you ringing and it's going to be a great year because uh, he was a great horse to me, you know, and what he done after racing was far and beyond than any other horse could do. So, Greg, I think maybe the best thing to do is to go back to go forward as part of you telling your story, if, if you don't mind. So let's go back a ways. Let's go all the way back. Where did life start for you? Well, I was born in Adelaide and I was one of three and I was the youngest of three. I had a brother, Ronald, and a sister, Lorraine, and I was uh, the youngest of three at two years of age, and uh, obviously I can't remember any of them, but um, my father, um, this is the way I've been told, that he's passed away now, Dad, but um, he was a great jockey himself, but um, he picked my brother and sister up from um, Adelaide, and... um, drove them back to Melbourne and um, my mother had um, I don't know the real story mate because I can't my mother's still alive but um, I I, uh, end up on a plane and um, at two years of age and um, and someone in those days before your time Sam there was only one airport here called Essendon and um, and one of dad's mates picked me up and um, thank god he did it would have been pretty hard getting a taxi at two years of age um, but um, and that was a joke, Sam. <laughs> the uh, and my, my uh, I don't like to say this a bit. I, I don't know what happened because uh, Bum doesn't really tell me the truth or whatever. But um, and I ended up back in Melbourne, and um, my father and uh, how I became a jockey was my father was a, a jockey, and he had four brothers that were jockeys and five sisters that married jockeys and my brother was a jockey and his son was a jockey and I was a jockey and my son was a jockey so albeit I wanted to be a superstar media like you and uh, that's a joke. media magnet <laughs> like you are Sam but um, yeah but um, I don't know I always wanted to be a jockey mate but um, so it was very genetical you know and not, yeah. not, um, not one year went by for a for hundred years we're all didn't ride so I think that's pretty cool you know was it a natural talent that you possessed Frank by hard work or did you have to at that age you know work for every scrap of it and uh, and every ounce of talent that you had I mean it take us into your insights as to where you thought you sat as a as a as a young jockey I ended up in a, uh, with several different trainers and um, for the last 18 months I uh, dumb of my father up at um, Queensland and um, is was I a good jockey? No. Did I win a premiership? No. In those days, you had to ride 60 winners. And I'd done a seven-year apprenticeship, and I got $5 a week for uh, seven years. And every 
second Sunday afternoon of, um, and still up at three o'clock every morning. And and before I was riding, I was strapping horses. Like I was actually Peter Lodge when I was ten or eleven before I left school at twelve. But um, and then when I, you know, I could ride like ponies or whatever from when I was three or four years of age. But I went to Queensland, and um, I, I didn't. Yes, I outrode my claim, but it took me sixty. Um, seven years and um i rode 60 winners and and um which is no big deal in those days you know if you have a motor like darren gouty and those blokes and the whiz kids and wayne harris and all that well you're gonna struggle and uh i actually rode my first group one winner for my dad uh, when i was 21 i just come out of my time i went on in spree and the spread broke and um, well i'm not sure if i won but i think the horse did but um, and I was very light and uh, I come back to Melbourne and I uh, I'm not good at telling the long story short but um, and I didn't do well so I'll shorten it up for you right and uh, fast forward I went back to Queensland tail between my legs and um, then I come back again to Melbourne and um, I was riding work for Angus Armanasco and uh, and I was a a nobody like I was, wasn't a Darren Bateman or Wayne Harris or Darren Gout and you lead an apprentice Damien Oliver or anything like that as a kid but um and then life becomes difficult because in those days if you hadn't made it by then you're pretty much out of the game and I had the luxury of uh going seeing um Roy Higgins he, he, he'd known me since I was a kid since I was eight and um Harry Watt um, may rest in peace. He just passed away. But um, but uh, I, I I come back to uh, Corfield and I started riding work for for Angus. I was riding for anybody just to get a ride. And um, Angus had um, Harry and Roy riding for him. And um, and Angus was you know he won seven premierships. He was an outstanding trainer and um, he was like the second father to me. And I got on a horse called East. Isabel and um, and it won the thousand guineas and um, then I've got another horse called Turf Ruler who was a really really uh, he was renowned as a good horse a very good horse but he's a rogue and uh, and um, I had 13 rides on him and never missed a place on him and uh, I won the Oakley Plate on him and that's the only race I won on him but um, and then that sort of got me going a bit and then I I went and seen Roy Higgins and um, I said, oh, Mr. Higgins, I said, he's no, he no, he rode with my father and all that and, um, and looked at some videos when they first come out and Harry White changed my hands and Roy said, ride a bit shorter and this, that and the other. Now, I was a very, very late maturer and uh, I didn't really come good until I was, uh, you know, late 20s, early like close to 30, which is very, very rare for a bloke to be able to... Yeah, I was going okay, but was I right up there? Not in a close. All right, Greg. Well, we'll pause here. You're listening to This Is Your Journey. It's thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals, a family-owned business since 1934. Let's talk about the high life, the fame and the glory. We'll retrace Greg Hall's time in racing's fast lane after this break. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Hello, it's great to have your company on This Is Your Journey. It's made possible by Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. Today, we're chatting to legendary former jockey Greg Hall. So, Greg... 
that powerful run on the big grey sub-zero in 92, the famous Cox played on superimposed the same year, the multiple slippers. Is, is there an enduring memory of life at the top or is it more of a collective time in your life? How do you, how do you reflect on it all? Well, I look back because <laughs> this is only my point of view, Sam, right? As an elite sportsman, right, and I mean, I, I dreamt of doing all this, but, you know, I've dreamt about waking up with Alec McPherson, but in the morning she's not there, but um, <laughs> as most of us do, but dreams don't come true. But um, all kids are, are winning the Melbourne Cup on that, and um, and it, it doesn't come without a price. It's hard work, you know. It's um, mm. 3 o'clock in the morning and mucking out 10 boxes and riding 15, 20 work and all that, you know, this is before you make it, right? And um, and I, uh, with Subby, uh, being the 30th anniversary of him, there's a bit of a story behind him. Um, I'll make it as sure as I can. I didn't do any r- much riding to leave through. And at this stage, I was sort of halfway up um, Mount Everest, if you want to say, right? Mm. So I was, things were ticking, ticking along all right, you know? And freelance and then I was riding for Mark Reed. But anyway, the sub-zero story is I was in Adelaide for the carnival and I was one of the pioneers of um, I'd only ride here for seven months of the year then I'd follow the carnival. But I wouldn't fly in and out. I'd stay there. And I, I was in Adelaide for the carnival and... and um, Lee Friedman rang me up and he said, have you got a ride in the AJC Derby? And I said, no, which I hadn't done a lot of riding. And um, he said, can you carry the whip in the left hand? I said, yeah. I said, I'm a champion at it. He said, oh, you can ride this horse called Sub-Zero. I said, no worries. And that particular time, they were winning down the middle of the track. And I watched his race in the St. Ledger, which was no fault of Damien, who was a lot younger than me at the time. And he probably should have won the St. Ledger. He ducked him badly, right? That's why I, he asked me, could I carry the whip in the left hand? And those days, not many jockeys could. I uh, I thought, I'm in trouble there because you've got to be 10 off the fence to win the race, right? Not, I, I, I didn't know how good he was or anything like that. I was over there riding through the carnival of the Goodwood and all that stuff anyway. But anyway, I go out in the mountain yard in the left hand. I carry the whip in the left hand. And I get in the barrows and I put in the right hand because the reality is I can't even carry a bag in my left hand, let alone a <laughs> racing whip. Lee Friedman said to me down the track a year or two later, he said, you know what, Greg? He said, I watched all the replays of the races in one of the AJC Derby, the Adelaide Derby, the Melbourne Cup, and this, that, and the other. And he said, you told me you could use the whip in the left hand. He said, you never used it once in the left hand. I said, Lee, no, I didn't tell you that. He said, you asked me, could I carry it in my left hand? I said, yes, I could. I said, but you didn't ask me, could I use it in the left hand? Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Lo and behold, comes down the middle of the track, wins the AJC Derby by a minute. Ten days later, I used to party pretty hard. He uh, had 51 kilos, same deal. I think I knocked off about seven or eight kilos to get down to 51. And then... Same deal, walk out, left hand, barriers, put him the right end, fence was off, bang, wins the Adelaide Cup. Goes out for a spell, eight months of work, three o'clock in the morning, get on his back at four o'clock. We spent together, which is unusual 
every morning. And that's how I got on him. And the only time I carried the whip with the left hand on him was in the Corfield Cup. Not that he would have won, but um, knowing that I couldn't use it in the left hand is um, he ran a great race. Couldn't have won, but if he, I, I didn't want to hurt him, if he had a won, he would have got penalised and all that. Cup day was a pretty big one in your career, yeah, Greg, yeah, 92. Yeah. His lead-up was... Um, like he was trained to perfection and um, and we had a good before him and I which is very unusual you know it's a different story with uh, superimposed 10 days before I never touched him I patted him and still won a Cox Plate on him but 10 days later I had a good before with this horse and um, we were good mates and um, anyway uh, it's the only race in the world that I know which I've had the luxury of uh, riding most places in the world and Lee comes into the room he said what's wrong with you because I'm normally the life of the party and all that night there's an hour break which is normally only 35 minutes when you've been a routine of that for you know 30 odd years that extra 25 minutes can be very annoying or it can be frustrating or you've got too much time to think. And he said, what's wrong with you? And I said, I just want to get out there, you know. He said, listen, just relax. He said, you know what you're doing. He said, enjoy the ride. He didn't give me any instructions. He said, you know what you're doing. He said, relax. So I did. And um, once I got on the track, the main thing is the Melbourne Cup. Now, you're talking about horses um, that are used to probably, you know, even the Adelaide Cup, there might have been 10,000 people there, but not, not 110,000. So the main thing is, and being brought up at Flemington all my life, I know every blade of grass, but this particular time, albeit I didn't have many rides in the Melbourne Cup, but um, I knew I had a live chance. But if you go into a Melbourne, regardless of who you are, whether you've got the brand of the greatest jockey in the world, if you go into a Melbourne Cup thinking, well, I'm the best jockey and I'm on the best horse, this will win by a minute, well, you need help because that's not reality. It's the only race in the world that you want to be scared of and worried about because there's too many variables. But I knew he had a chance without getting my head too high. I, I patted him and spoke to him around the mountain. You know, you've got 110,000 people there at race eight, you know, and there's plenty of bubblies going on, so there's plenty of noise, you know. And uh, once I got out in the track, then I'm on my own. So I was more comfortable then, and I got down there, and the short story is we grew 15, and by coincidence, the end, of course, was back inside me, and I'm sure you've seen the replay many times, Sam, and had him in a good spot, and I was singing my way to him on the way round. And, <laughs> And when you, when you get to the 1,200, um, all, all hell breaks loose. You know, there can be international jockeys or there can be New Zealand jockeys or interstate jockeys and, and things will start panic and pressure starts coming on, which is a long way from home. I started to peel off at the 800-metre uh, mark. I was three deep with cover, four deep. Deep. And these days, being that wide was a real no-no. But I, I come into the turn, I was about six or seven deep, but I had a wall of horses in front of me. Now, I was a jockey that liked to, um, I was pretty strong with the whip and all that. And not that I'm cruel, but, um, and I was a jockey that liked to get up at the last second, you know. And uh, the time I straightened up, he wasn't a puller or anything like that. Even you could ride him, Sam. He was that quiet, right? But he took me into the race. We were in front of these wall of horses, Castletown, and um, and the Andercroft. But I ended up in front 300 metres. Now, that's too far for me. I'd rather get up the last 10 minutes and win by a sword off head. I said to him, I said, mate, I said, we're going too early here. And he said to me, he said, well, I'm comfortable. I said, well, I'm not. And by the time I got to the 200, I can't see anything. 
but I can tell you what I can. I can see a winning post a long way away, 200 metres out, 100 metres out. I was never happy. And people ask me, oh, you must have known you were home. You won by two lengths. I said, I'll tell you what, mate. I said, if you think you're home, I don't care how far you're home from the Melbourne Cup. Anything can come out of the pack. Anything can happen. And um, it wouldn't have been to the last 20, 20, 30 metres. I said to him, oh, mate, you're going to get a big bunch of carrots tonight. Remember as a kid, I said to Roy Higgins, I said, oh, Mr. Higgins, I said, what's it like to win the Melbourne Cup? And um, he said, he said, I can't explain it, Greg. And he's quite right. Well, the feeling's fantastic, but you just can't explain that. I don't know. It's, mm. it's unexplainable coming back and the crowd. And it's just, you can't explain it, you know. And yeah, your dream come true. And there's 144 of you have done it. Well, the proudest day of my moment, of, of my life. And um, he, 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 was he the best horse I rode? No. Was, is he my favourite horse? Of course. But what he done after racing was far more important than what he done in racing. But for me, in saying that, you know, I never pat myself on the back, but I, um, like I said, I do 15. I gave him a beautiful ride, and um, probably without that, he probably wouldn't have won, you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, but it's great, Greg, that it comes to you so vividly. You know, three decades on, it's a, it's a great memory to hang on to, and you, you tell it in such magnificent detail. You mentioned Kerry Packer. Uh, I'm keen to know, you know, names like Packer, Bart Cummings, so you badgered basically for Let's Elope before you got superimposed, which was a stroke of of fortune. You know, Sheikh Mohammed, the Godolphin stable, you certainly rubbed some shoulders. I'm keen to know your best Kerry Packer yarn. I'm not sure if it relates to Mahogany in the derby um, when you're about to ride out and you asked him if he'd had a bet. But what's your best best appropriate Packer yarn? I actually met um, Kerry through Lloyd and um, because I was, riding for Lloyd, but we haven't got enough time for all the yarns. But when I first met him, I rode a horse called Major Drive in the Chairman's Handicap that lead up to the Sydney Cup. Anyway, the short story is he won, and I got very well looked after. What do you mean by very well looked after? Because the money, I mean, the money was insane. I mean, the money... Well, he gave, the... Me a big, he, he, he gave me a big bag of lollies, yeah. mate, put it that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not used to limousines or blokes of the word billions and all that stuff and all this is new to me and albeit I'm going well and I'm riding for Lloyd Williams and, and I, as once again I stay up there for the whole carnival but any good horse Lloyd had he put Kerry's name in it and I have never met the bloke uh, and he said to me on Friday he said because I normally play golf I've got a routine then sauna and then sauna the next morning but he said you better go to the PBL build he said he he might have a nice bag of lollies for you. Well, you can use your own imagination what that means because jockeys don't eat sweets. Get to the uh, 87th floor or whatever it is, and there's a limo waiting for me outside um, oh, the Siebel Townhouse. Lord used to put me up and get up there, and I hear this bloke yelling and screaming about chairs, and I said, that can't be him. You know, I'm sitting in the lobby, and he turns his head around the corner. He says, hey, boy, he says, I want to see you, son. But he, and he said, come in here, son. He said, I want to see you, boy. He said, sit down, son. He, and he handed me over an answer. Uh, carry bag and he, he said well done yes uh, well done on a Saturday you know the chairman's handicap he said here's a bag of lollies for you son Greg just I'm just interested to know I hope enough time this is a nosy question but I hope enough time and enough water's gone under the bridge now I'm just keen to know if you can state what was what did the biggest lolly bag you got look like was it was it after the win on Merlin in the in the in the golden slipper yes and can you put it that into was... a, can you put it into ballpark figures for us perhaps well 
how can I put it in a sportsman's way? Did Donald Bradman, Bradman ever hit three hundred run? He did, and got and got got a thousand per run. Yes, yes. Okay, I'm with you. I'm with you. That's a pretty sizable lolly bag. Yeah, the funny part of the story was um, after I won the chairman's handicap, we got that bag of lollies. And the horse he owned was made to drive, and um, he ran the Sydney Cup after the chairman's handicap. I get up and win on major drive and beat my card, right? He was the one that said to me, but what are you talking about, boy? How can I beat my card? And I was trying to do the right thing. Anyway, I got up and won, right? The next minute, um, Lloyd says, oh, we have to go to Mr. Packer's place tonight. I said, hang on to the cup. And I'm thinking ka-chink, ka-chink, because of what I got out of the chairman's handicap, right? Fantastic ride, my father, my late father, be so proud of you, and they never wrap you, these blokes. And I'm going, oh, how good is this going to be? Forget about the other bags of lollies I've got. He, he put the put the cup on the mantelpiece. He said, even though I had seven million on the second horse, so he had seven million on my card, not <laughs> one on his horse. Uh, you're listening to This Is Your Journey. It's brought to you by Tobin Brothers Funeral Celebrating Lives. You can find them online at tobinbrothers.com.au. So Greg Hall, he had it all, but his life was about to unravel. We'll be back with Greg and the message he hopes can help others right after this. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, Celebrating Lives. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Hello, we hope you're enjoying this week's edition of This Is Your Journey. And today's guest is racing icon Greg Hall. So, Greg, you you said before that in the past that it's a miracle you're alive, which is obviously a huge statement. I mean, you had the world at your feet. I'm keen to ask you, when did you first start to lose your balance? I mean, was there a trigger point now, looking back, to when you thought it might have started to unravel for you? Sure. You talk about triggers, you know. You're talking to a bloke that's been to five rehabs, but um, they call them triggers. But um, I'm only pausing because I'm thinking hard about it. You know, I was in Dubai, and the short story is I lost my wife to someone else, and... It was a very messy thing, and um, I probably retired too young. And um, I was riding with Sheikh Mohammed over there, and um, once I knew it was serious, and we've been with each other since we were fifteen. And I hadn't had a drink for ten years, Sam. Right? I got tapped on the shoulder when I was um, thirty-five. They said he'd been out for up the drink, and I hadn't got, I hadn't reached Mount Everest by then. Mm. And um, I um, got a couple of taps on the shoulders from different people, and um, including my ex-wife. And uh, with this, when I was in Melbourne, and um, I travelled the world, and then I won the Melbourne Cup and many other races after that, and up the pointy end of plains. And I never had a drink for ten years. That's without any help. And I look back now because you don't look at things. Uh, like then and um, I suppose that was willpower and strength and um, but when I'd um, when that happened in Dubai I, I'd come home and uh, I'd uh, stop riding and I went straight back to the bottle and 
that's after not having a drink for 10 years. And it just all spiraled out of control, mate. Now, how or why or to each of the people out there that say, well, Greg, you could have stopped all that. You still had multi, you know, you had lots of money or mm. even after the divorce, you still were well off or whatever, and which I was. And, um, but, um, the alcohol took over and I just spiraled out of control and how it works, buddy, I don't know, but, um, I've been to lots of, um, psychiatrists and counseling and, and rehab in between. It all ended up in tears, as they say, mate, and, uh, finished up with nothing. But, um, I look back and I think, how would that happen with a bloke that's got so much willpower and he's got the, the tenacity to be able to win all those races? And um, and don't worry, it doesn't come without a price. I broke my back, 12 ribs, I broke my neck, unconscious seven times and two wrists and the list goes on and on. So um, it's not a matter of waking up in the morning and just winning all those races. But um, I look back now and I go, how would that happen? Well, yes. People can say, well, you've only got yourself to blame, Greg. But in reality, it doesn't work like that. Otherwise, Elvis Presley would still be here. Michael Jackson would still be here. Robin Williams would still be here. Neil Williams, the jockey from Queensland. Um, our old mate Spud and, and on the outside looks good. But what's going on inside is completely different. And I've been very fortunate that I've had a great bloke called Graham Orford who wrote a book, Never Give Up. And um, he was an ex-alcoholic himself slash lawyer turned bank robber, right? And um, he's been my mentor for 20 plus years. And he's pushed and pushed. And, and I'm also a, uh, an ambassador for the GBS, the Good Bloke Society, who have been a, a great help for welfare and um, myself and Duck and um, Dipper and Jimmy were ambassadors for this club called GBS, but is I look back at it and I go, well, I was never educated as a kid that, um, <laughs> how can I say it, Sam, because um, I get a bit emotional about it, buddy, is, um, is yes, it's disappointing, right, And um, but the reality is um, it happened, yeah. and I'm not the only bloke on the planet, mate, don't worry about that, you know, there's nine, nine the statistics are here in Australia alone is nine blokes a day kill themselves, right? And um, he's, so I try not to let it get to me that where it gets to that stage because I look back and I go, well, I can't swear, but I, I, I'd like to. But I, I look back and I go, well, what the was that ride all about? Did this kid really want to do this? Did he want to, you know win the Melbourne Cup, did he want to win derbies, did he want to win blue diamonds and golden slippers and plus, 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 and travel around the world and pointy in the planes and Leah jets and yachts and and all this money thrown at him and, and, and meeting prime ministers and and meeting the Queen and or riding the Sheikh Mohammed or all this sort of stuff, right? But when, you, when you're a kid and you left school at 12, I look back now and I go, well, what was that all about, you know? Mm, mm. 
did I want to achieve? Did I want to? Did I want to win a Melbourne Cup? Of course I did, but I didn't know it come with a price. And the price is that it comes with is called fame. Now Graham's only just. I haven't spoke about to anyone like this Sam before, right? Because Graham said to me, uh, Graham Orford, that is, with the book Never Give Up. He he said, listen, he said you don't like talking about yourself. He said, but I'm going to tell you something. He said, whether you like it or not. He said, it's in black and white, mate. He said, just read the black part, not the white part. He said, yes, you've won a Melbourne Cup, and there's 144 of you have done it. And he said, whether you like it or not, he said, wherever you go, you're famous. Now, that comes with a dangerous price, which I didn't expect that as a kid. Is You sort of haven't, you really can't, you screw, you, I'm not good with big words, but you're, you're pinpointed if you're seen somewhere. And I don't know whether that's fair or not, but um, it's reality. And um, and I look back now and I go, well, what was that journey about? You know, really was I, yes, I, I mean, I'll let you be the answer here, Sam. Really, was I a good jockey or was the people I w- was with who aren't with me now, only couldn't even count on my hand the people who are with me now, right? But the people I was with at the time, I look back now, well, what was I, a good jockey or a trophy? Yeah, yeah. Well, in reality, I was just a trophy. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I was taken to all these places, not, not. Yeah, I, I was, I was actually going to ask um, you. Greg, I didn't spend time. I didn't. I, 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 yeah, I was just going to ask. Damn, I didn't spend time with my family. So, mm. as you as you think of it now, Greg, I mean, you've come out the other side, and we'll get to the people that helped pull you out and the trigger points for getting you out in a moment. But yeah. How much of you is consumed by regret at the moment, or is that too strong a phrase to use? Do I have regret? Financially-wise, you know, I probably do. But then again, I think about it. Money was part of the problem. Well, uh, uh, not part of it, a a huge problem, because it, it creates problems, money, right? And it gives you ammo to do what you like. And I was a kid that started off with nothing. And um, have I got any regrets in what I've done in racing? No. Do I have regrets about after racing? Probably not. But am I disappointed? Yes. But do I have control over it? No. But yeah. all I can say is I'm still here to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. And and oh, ultimately, that is absolutely the most important thing, Greg. And we, we spoke about the highs before in the previous segment. This isn't an easy question to ask you, but... Can you identify the, the, the lowest point? I mean, how you spent your days when you're at your darkest moments, whether it was, you know, on the streets near the Vic Market, the caravan park, you know, the underground car park in the Subaru, you know, can you trace yourself back to those days or is it too painful to recollect? No, it's not too painful at all, buddy. Um, it was painful at the time, Sam. I've got to assure you of that. <laughs> yeah. You sleep the other side of Vic Market, mate, and it's minus three in the morning and... Um, and um, you're living in a caravan park, and you've tried tried to commit suicide, and um, and the other place uh, that you mentioned at Frankston, um, you know that. I mean, how low can you get? I mean, um, but don't make no mistake, Sam. That I'm not the only person on the planet that goes through this. Mm. There's someone going through it as we speak now, not just one. There's tens of thousands. I just don't want to go back there again. I know that. But do I ever think that I've got a beat? No. See, one thing with an alcoholic is, Sam, is is, um, it's it's a disease, which I want your listeners to listen to this, for the ones that don't know. 
and there'll be others out there that, that are in the same boat as me, is an alcoholic can't be cured. If you've got cancer or sugar diabetes, you've got a chance. You can take insulin or you can have radiation or you can have chemo. There's no, there is no cure for an alcoholic. There is no pill. There is no, no operation. And you've got to be very mindful of that. And make no mistake, mate, I'm no angel. Have I busted? Of course I have. Have I been off it? Plenty of times. But it's, it's, a, it's a constant battle. And um, you just got to deal with it. And um, and I have a lot of support. And when I've got, don't you know, I, I have bad days too. And um, where I that doesn't mean I'm drinking, but I've had I have bad days mentally wise. And um, is if I'm in if I'm in trouble, I pick the phone up. And um, that's my suggestion for the listeners: is if you're in that spot, don't be frightened. Just pick the phone up and speak to someone. Mm. It's amazing what it does. We're talking to Greg Hall on This Is Your Journey. It's thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. It's been great to have your company here on This Is Your Journey. It's thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals, a family-owned business since 1934, and legendary jockey Greg Hall has been our guest today. So, Greg, and we thank you for your candour here. We touched on, I guess, the trigger for your downfall earlier. What, Looking back now, what was ultimately the trigger for getting out of it? Sure. I'll tell you, Sam, you know, with Graham Orford, he's got a, 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 a company called 21 Renew. Now, he does the opposite to rehabs. I've been to five rehabs. One in Thailand, been to the Buttery, a couple others here, Hader and all that. Um, will I go again? No. Hmm. When you walk out, they go, only one in 99 make it. Well, there's only been, the only 100 to one shot I've known that's won the Melbourne Cup was Marie Payne, but that doesn't happen very often. Hmm. So the odds aren't real good. But he does the opposite. He gives you TLC and and it's only 21 days. And, you know, these places, I've done six and a half months, eight and a half months, and, and been to 120 meetings, 120 days, and 90 meetings in 90 days. And it's it's, it's, it's a nightmare. And uh, for me, for me, not for everyone, we're only talking about me, but um, the only way I, I get through each day is, is um, if I get stuck, I'll ring someone, which is most important. And if I can help someone, I'll ring them because if I can save one kid's life, and I've had lots of mothers, and I've told this story at lots of functions, and I've had lots of mothers and fathers come up to me after it, and yes, they all know about Greg Hall winning the Melbourne Cup on Sub-Zero, but they don't know the dark side. I get more response out of that. Now, in saying that, though, this is the best part. If I get one person come up to me after a function and say, Greg, we knew nothing about that about you, and that story is amazing what you said. And it's all the truth. And uh, and they've got kids of their own that have got problems. And it doesn't have to be alcohol. It can be ice. It can be heroin. It can be anything mm. or, or whatever, what, any substance, right? And um, that can save one kid's life. What I get out of it is is it helps. All, 
all bad that people think that that's brave of me to talk about the way I do and all that. Yes, it may be. But in reality, it helps me because I can help someone else. And if I can't, I can't control that. But I get more response out of this story than I do about winning the Melbourne Cup. And what I get out of it is, is it helps me to tell my story. You're helping me today, Sam, right, for telling this story. I'll get off this interview after this and I'll hold my head up high and I'll be so proud of myself that I've told my story to you. Mm. And if it gets through to someone out there, one of the listeners, by all means, that'll leave them make me even more happier. Yeah, because, you know, as much as you're of the understanding, and I'm assuming it helped you along the way, that as you said earlier, it doesn't discriminate and you're far from the only one. The unique situation about you, though, is I suppose you've had everything and you've had nothing. So you'd have an unbelievably rounded perspective on life, I'd imagine. I do. I I do, actually. Um, I'd like to be a lot better off, but that doesn't, I mean... The people we've mentioned before, the list goes on, mate, and on and on and on. But money doesn't solve the problem. It's a it's a disease that um, you have to you have to you have to work with it, you know. And um, like I said to you, yeah, I've had the highs, but mate, I started off with the lows, and I started off with the highs, and then I finished with the highs and the lows, and and I suppose when I look back, is in a sense, well, it's not that bad a journey, actually. Because I've got a story to tell. It's like Graham Orpher said to me. He said, you, you're very unique, Greg. I said, why is that, Graham? He said, mate, he said, everybody knows your highs and how hard you work to climb Grant, Mount Everest and um, win the Melbourne Cup. He said, everybody knows that. And, you know, for Shake Mahama and Terry Packer and Lloyd Williams and the list goes on and all that stuff. Well, in reality, that's all material stuff. But he said, what you have is, he said, you have a very unique story. He said, because you've hit the lowest of lowest of anyone, and now you can tell that story, which is far more important than what you'd achieved in life. Am I in a, am I in a good place, mate? Am I in a good place? I'm in a better place than most people in the world. I've got a job. I've got people that love me. And I've got plenty of backup. I've got plenty of people that support me. Family, racing industry media, whatever, and the message is, if you ever have got a problem, pick up the phone. Greg, I really need to say thanks so much for joining us today. I mean, it's special that it's 30 years on from Sub-Zero, of course, and and you are an Australian sporting legend, and that will never change. And your resume, um, to state the obvious, sits among the very best in your field. Uh, The incredibly challenging times that came later, I reckon mean that your legacy is now twofold. You're an inspiration on the turf but now a valuable life lesson offered. So well done on everything you achieved and thanks for sharing your challenges with such openness today. Really appreciate your time and um, and I can't thank you enough, Sam, because you've helped me actually. It's been great to have you on, Greg. Really appreciate you joining us, uh, mate. But as I said, being so open with your journey and your, and your battles along the way, as well as I hope it was great for you to go down memory lane with uh, Sub-Zero of 92. And uh, I'm sure the listeners would have taken a lot out of it this morning. Uh, thanks for joining us. You've been listening to This Is Your Journey. It's been for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. You can jump online to find them at tobinbrothers.com.au and we'll catch you the next time we celebrate another great sporting journey. 
Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91 91.